Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to Season 3. Everybody, welcome into the latest episode of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. This is season four, episode 14, entitled Down on the Bayou. So I guess you can tell exactly who we're playing this weekend. Good good uh, title to the podcast, Tom. I'd like to welcome in Tom Sims as always. Tom, let us know you're here. Thanks for your welcoming. You're, you're always very accommodating to me on the podcast, and I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. I mean, you are, you're the most important half, as we all know, because without you, we would never get this thing published. But, uh, you know, the <laughs> I'm Red mo- Bay... I'm more of a behind-the-scenes guy. Uh, the Red Bay listeners are saying that I'm carrying the podcast and that you're kind of inconsequential. I feel like the Birmingham, Tuscaloosa listeners are saying that you're carrying the podcast and I'm kind of inconsequential, so I, I figure we're somewhere in the middle. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say that I've carried the podcast. So, oh, well, you've been talking to the wrong people. I don't know what we we need to find out where Ezel lies because you know he kind of knows me better than you, but he is a Birmingham peep, so I, I don't know. Well, I have the commentary tonight, Tom, and I didn't really know what I was going to talk about tonight, but then I come home for lunch, and when I get back in the car. I turn on the radio, Sports Talk, Channel 84 on your XM dial, and I hear the news that I did not want to hear till after the season. Yes, Brian Horson is in fact no longer the head coach at Auburn. Tis a sad day in Tuscaloosa. Did I hear... Uh... <laughs> There's some background music there. Yes, that is some background music. I had to make sure I what I listened I re-listened to a podcast today to see how long you let the music play before we you know before you cut it and I think I've, I made the cut on this so this is boys to men and it's Tom it is it's hard to say goodbye to yesterday but you know what I'm extremely struggling to concentrate with this music in my ears so let's cut that off and let's get down to it so when oh, you it was coming. We knew it was coming. Uh, didn't really know when it was. Everybody thought, you know, a lot of people said that if he had gotten beat, if he had lost to the Missouri, which he should have, there's very, virtually no way he should not have lost to Missouri. But he didn't. They, you know, they claimed he was going to be fired after the game or, the, or I guess on Sunday, and that didn't happen. And I don't know why they let him hold on so long. He was a bad fit, and he wasn't going to succeed there. But, you know, here's the thing. Here's one thing of many. Okay, I used to love it when when the uh, the pundits or whatever, the Gary Danielsons of the world, the uh, Tim Brandos of the world, when Boise State 
or you know TCU before TCU was uh, was in a legit conference, and then Central Florida and last year Cincinnati like oh oh look here. 12 and 0, 11 and 1. You know, if these guys played in SEC, I'm not going to say they'd win the conference, but they'd hold their own. Well, no, they wouldn't because what you saw from Auburn the past two years is Boise State level recruiting, Boise State level players outside of a couple. You have Tank Bigsby, you have Jarquez Hunter, you have Derek Hall, you have uh, Owen Popo. I guess I'll put him in there. I'm not extremely impressed with him. But you, you've got some solid SEC players, some players that would crack the lineup at Bama or Georgia or Tennessee. But all in all, it's a Boise State roster right now with, with their defections and, and just the, the terrible recruiting he did last year and on into this year. So it's, it's so hard to believe that he is fired. You know, he had, he had Auburn at 6-2 and two last year ranked number 12 in the country, and then Texas A&M beat them. And I should have written down the score. I think it was pretty bad. I mean, I don't think it was 50-10, to 10, but I don't really think it was that close. I think it was like 20-3. to 3. I think offensively Auburn really struggled. So they're 6-3. and three. They're, They got Mississippi State coming to town. They're up on Mississippi State 28-10 to 10 at halftime, and State outscores them 33-6 to 6 in the second half. And that just that, – so that was – the second loss in a row, and then as you know, they didn't win again. And they struggled with San Jose State this year in game two, and then Penn State took them to the woodshed, and it just – the wheels fell off. But with – I wrote this down. Where is it at? With a minute 27 left in the game last year in the Iron Bowl, Alabama was facing second and 10 at our own three-yard line. At that point – ESPN.com had the chance of Auburn winning that game at 99.9%, a 0.01% chance they would lose. And, you know, as we know, they lost. And since then, that was it. That The wheels fell off. Wheels were already off. There, He was scrubbing on brake pads at that time and on the axles. But they, they wanted him gone. He was not a good fit. But, you know, if he beats Bama, there's no way we're here sitting here today, are we? Do you think? Have a lost Tom? Hmm. Here, can you got me now? Yeah, I got you. No, oh, yeah, I think I was accidentally muted there. <laughs> I, I was saying, no, I don't think we're. Uh, I don't think we're here. If that happens, they they were looking for a signature win from him, which they never got. Uh, I I mean, who who is his signature win? Do, do, hmm. Can you name one? I don't even know who he beat last year to uh, to get to six wins, to be honest. Uh, you know, LSU. He beat LSU at LSU. Of course, Ogeron was dead man walking at the time. and and But that was it. That was the, that was the win. They hadn't beaten them down there since 99. And they really thought, you know, he was going to take off. And it just he just didn't. He's not, like I said, he's not a good cultural fit for, their, for Auburn. Who he is, unless you like animal husbandry. So, I don't know. It's just. I hate that he is gone. I, I really feel like, man, they cut bait quick. They can talk about how, you know, we've had X amount of coaches. You know, I mean, it, it was pretty embarrassing. You know, we went from Dubose to Fran to Mike Price to Mike Shula in a span of about, what, 36 months or whatever? Forty-eight, Definitely 48 months because Fran only stayed two years. So, yeah, probably probably under 30 months we went through four coaches. 
But, man, when they figure out that they can't beat Georgia or Bama, or specifically Bama, they're done with you. You're out of there. Yeah, and and during – I mean, they knew we were going to recap our coaches then. But but it they were a little differently. Jeepos had plenty of time, but when he was fired – and then uh, was it Fran that come in directly after? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Fran come in directly after. We didn't run him out. No, uh-uh. you know we give we give Debo's several years, right? Four. He, he yeah. had what four years, uh, and then Fr- yeah, four. Fran would have had unlimited years the way we were trending at least. Uh, you know, he, he chose to leave. Um, and then of course, yeah, you know, Price never coached, uh, and, and Shula, I mean, he, he had every chance in the world. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we didn't, we didn't cut him loose after two years. How many years was Shula there for? Shula was there from 03 through 06. So another four years. And, you know, supposedly, when uh, the, at the end of the year, when Auburn beat us in Tuscaloosa for the sixth straight time, I guess it was fifth or sixth, uh, he went to to Mal Moore's office, the AD at the time, and basically, if he would have offered up uh, his offensive and defensive coordinator, they would. I think we would have kept him. I think if he just said, "Hey, I'm gonna replace," uh, boy, who was it? Charlie Stubbs, Joe Kynes, I guess, for defense, and maybe Charlie Stubbs for offense. I can't remember. If he'd offered those two guys up, I think Mal was going to work with him. But when he's like, no, I'm going to stay the course, we were like, yeah, we're done here. So, a blessing for sure that we got Nick Saban. But, But you know, we were were talking about earlier this year and all the way through, and you just alluded to it, you know, why didn't they fire Harson earlier? And I guess they always had it in the back of their mind that they wanted to open up the search with the new AD. And it never dawned on me before, but that's actually not a terrible strategy, I don't guess. I mean, uh, it's kind of hard to go searching for a coach that you want the new AD to put a stamp of approval on. And I don't think it's that they respect athletic directors down there enough to allow them carte blanche to go out and do this coaching search we all know better than that but i think they miss the opportunity to have a scapegoat if it doesn't work out with a new hire by not having the new athletic director put a stamp of approval on it and maybe even lead the search so uh that didn't dawn on me previously when we were talking about that but it makes a lot of sense now yeah, you know, as we know, I think is his first name John. For some reason, it just doesn't sound quite right, but Cohen is his last name. You know, played ball at Mississippi State, graduated from Mississippi State, was the AD, coach, coach baseball after he played there, what, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, moved into the AD role. It was an odd move. You know, normally you think of a, a football coach maybe moving in, but really this is not the 60s and 70s anymore. you got to have a sharp business mind to be the AD at an SEC school. It's not just former coaches per se, uh, but Cohen's been successful there. I, I have heard, I don't keep up with State as much as my family does, but I was reading some of the Auburn boards today to get their take on it, and they were impressed by Cohen. They're, they said that he really improved the facilities at Mississippi State through all the, you know, all the, the scholarship sports. 
And, you know, Auburn is, is a step above state for sure. I don't think they're as big a step as they – in their minds that they are, that they think they are, but they're, they're a, a definite step up in, in the you know, positive direction. But I, I'm just really surprised that he left – is going to leave his alma mater and, you know, he's going to hitch his wagon to this hire. And if this hire doesn't work out, he's on the hook for it, you know, 100%, because it's going to be his guy that he brings in. And, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, who does he go after? You know, he was there with uh, Mississippi State with Mullen. Mullen's looking for a job. Does he hire Mullen? You know, I, I'm seeing the names thrown around from Auburn as um, Deion Sanders. Only thing that, that would be worrisome about Deion is he's going to get the kids in there. There's no doubt. They're going to flock to him. But, dude, we're not – he is at the lowest division of football. And I think he has the best team in that division. Kyle Harson was at the Mountain West. He had the best team in the Mountain West. Okay, you're going to come to Auburn. You're not going to have the best team. You're not – with Brian Kelly, Nick Saban and Brian Kelly and Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach, those – going against those four coaches, Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M. We'll see how long he makes it, which we'll get into that in just a second. You're not going to have the best team starting out. And, of course, they're, they're talking Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze scares no one. He beat Bama twice and had us on the ropes a third time. And that's the only reason that Auburn has mentioned him. If we had, if the, if we had beaten uh, Ole Miss by one point both, both times, you know, 17 to 16 and 41 to 40, he wouldn't even be mentioned. But it's the fact he beat Bama twice. So I think if they could hire Matt Rule, that'd be a fantastic hire. I think they're going to be stuck with Jeff Grimes, Dave Aranda, somebody like that, and they'll call it a day because Auburn is not the job that their fans think it is. Like you mentioned, mentioned uh, their boosters run the show. Yellow Man runs the show, and I don't know if they've got another big-time booster over there, but everybody in the AD is a paper, a, a puppet, a you know, paper tiger, if you will. So – I don't know. Let's, and, let's look at this thing from the other side of the coin, too. You, you know, what what coach feels like Auburn is a destination job for them? Um, so I read something today that Auburn is currently paying. I don't know if this includes it. probably includes the current buyout. But roughly equivalent to five dollars or $56,000 per day. <laughs> on coaches. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that uh, tweet. On the buyout. And so and that goes deeper than that. So so you're you're paying out all this money on buyouts and then you have to you absolutely have to if you don't you're short sighted and you're way behind the curve. But you have to get some of your boosters to reserve funds not to infused directly into the program but to have on the side for these nil deals and and whatnot you know you you can't pay those through the university so how much money can you get the boosters to contribute to nil money on the side and then also contribute to the program to help buy out coaches and then fund a new coach i mean there's a dollar amount. I don't know what it is. We'll never know what it is. But there's a dollar amount that Auburn has. Basically, Auburn's on a budget. And it, it, there's no way around that. They're on a budget. I don't know what that budget is. But but 
let's just say, for instance, how much was Harson making a year? About five? Uh, at least, I would say. Hugh Freeze just re-signed at Liberty for five. You know, Harson's buyout, I think, is going to be 15-plus million, half of it due within 30 days. So he's – and that was 70% of was, his contract left, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't think he was killing it. But that's that that was the exact threshold that I was thinking of, 5 million. You know, how many coaches out there are not already making that money? Because it's not going to be money that draws you to Auburn is, I guess, the point that I'm making. They're on a budget, and 5 million – for what we can there, – there's not many. I think we've talked about this several times. There's not many what we would call elite coaches in college football, and they're not going to get one of the top elite coaches in college football. But if you want a good, solid coach, aren't they already making $5 million somewhere? Oh, absolutely. You, you know, so, so what is the draw? You know, what is the draw? What would be the draw for somebody like, you know, if, if you polled the Auburn fan base right now, guaranteed their number one wish list guy is Lane Kiffin. I, I think that's oh, yeah. a, without 100%. a doubt. That's the name I get, you know, thrown at all the time. What would we, what would make Lane Kiffin leave Ole Miss for Auburn? I mean, he's already making six or seven million a year at Ole Miss, right? He, yeah, he just re, he's he's got a, a nice contract. I mean, to answer the question though, I don't know if it's rhetorical or not, but the chance to win a national title, you know, like I said, I have said on this podcast before, and I've said in the open a number of times, the best thing that ever happened to Auburn football was 2010, and the worst thing that ever happened to Auburn football was 2010 because that is not practical. On the on the whole. You you take you you look at their wins and losses historically, and you do the math. They're about an eight point two wins and a three point eight losses per year. So they're eight and four team. They used to be seven and four till we went to twelve game schedule. Now they're eight. They're a perennial eight and four team. And yeah, they rise up occasionally when they bought the best player. Well, guess what? NIL you can buy every player, and that's why I don't think that's why Freeze doesn't scare me because yeah, he's getting. He's getting kids out of St. Louis, Missouri to come to Ole Miss. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's getting Kim Dietschy to travel from Georgia. So he's bypassing Athens. He's bypassing Auburn. He's bypassing Tuscaloosa to go to Oxford, Mississippi. Like That's just not going to happen on a consistent enough basis for Freeze to be super successful down there. So, uh, yeah, you got a good point. Like, I just – I don't see Kiffin – and to get Kiffin, I think you got to pay him Jimbo money, and I think you got to make it guaranteed. And that is a dangerous game. As we're seeing now, we can just kind of segue on into the recap. And if you want to touch on Auburn, feel free some more. But that was kind of the recap. We didn't have uh, – Alabama didn't have a game, and the cocktail bowl was a joke. So we're just going to go with uh, – I put down where do Auburn and A&M stand. So I think we've touched on Auburn a good bit. Like, But A&M, Jimbo lost again this week to Ole Miss. And – you know, he's got that guaranteed contract, $85 million to to fire him this year, I think it is. And, I, you know, they're going to give him this year. I, they have no choice, really. Well, they do. I mean, they've got oil money that they could write a check. But, man, you start writing – you know, Tom, I mean, you're playing the lottery, <laughs> the Powerball, that's up to a billion dollars. I think the take-home is 430 something million. Of course, we'll have to split that in two. 
But if they came to me and you and said, hey, we need to get rid of this Nick Saban fella. It's going to cost $85 million. Are you Are y'all both good for $42.5 million? Uh, I'm not. I'm not good for that, you know. So uh, <laughs> you, you have hey, to be you know, in you, the – Go ahead. You raise a good point there, though, too. So let, let's let's ask the question: What if Jimbo's buyout was fifty million? What I if it was ten million? Uh, what if gone. it was one million? Do you do you think he's fired today? If for all the eggs they put in his basket, you think it's simply the buyout that's preventing them from firing him? That is that your opinion? I I, I think so. I do, you know, I, I don't know enough about offense and defense. Well, I know, I guess I know more and sometimes I let on. I probably know more about defense, but these exotic offenses like Sark ran, like Kiffin runs, like apparently Hugh Freeze runs because, you know, he made Malik Willis uh, an Auburn reject into an NFL draft pick. You know, apparently Jimbo's not running running anything like that, and he's he's going to have to relinquish – I know he's supposedly the quarterback whisperer. You know, sometimes maybe the guy's just that good. You know, Cam Newton in 2010 was just that good. Jameis Winston in 2013 was just that good. Sometimes it's not necessarily about the coach, and I think it goes to, definitely goes to their head. They have huge egos anyway. You know, Jimbo loves to think that he is the ultimate quarterback coach. You know, he needs to find him an, uh, a coordinator and turn it over to him like, you know, like they did, have done with Kendall Bryles. I don't even know where he's at now. Is he at Arkansas maybe? And and just let him yeah, go because I think they're going to give him this year, it, it appears. But next year he has to get to Atlanta because our Auburn is going to be down next year. Bama is going to be down by Bama standards in, in as much as we are going to lose our quarterback. We're going to lose our best defensive player. I have to look at the other positions where we're losing, you know, kids and – We'll have a good bit of our offense back, but, I mean, losing Bryce is going to be huge. And we travel to A&M. Like, they've got to take the step. Jimbo has to take the step next year to beat Bama and make it count. You know, he beat Bama last year, but then he lost to Mississippi State, and, he, you know, we still went to Atlanta. And that's the thing. He's got to beat Mississippi State. He's got to beat Arkansas. He beat them this year. He shouldn't have. You know, that was kind of one of those – Missouri Auburn games. If the ball doesn't doink off the top of the upright, you know uh, uh, Arkansas most likely beats them. So I, I just really feel like that that Jimbo is on the clock next year. I think he makes it out of this year, but he's definitely on the clock next year. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. I just I was trying to reconcile in my mind what that buyout would need to be for them to pull the trigger now, and I think I'm in the same boat. I, I think the fan base is so upset but i think the fan base is even realistic that they have tied themselves to a sinking ship and there's no way to untie themselves in the current climate you know the Mm -hmm. there's just not many people that can write the checks needed and even if they can like you said that's a big check that is a big check and and as as much as people like their sports, sometimes there comes a time when sports ain't all it's cracked up to be, and when you got eighty five million hanging out there in a one time buyout. I and here's here's the flip side to that too. When you're when you're guaranteeing salaries, you're trying to make a splash in in the in the football world is what you're doing about yeah we've got this guy and we're tying him down and he's not going anywhere for a long time come play for us blah 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 
But when you do that, obviously we see the perils of the coach, you know, not going the direction you want. But what incentive does it give the coach to to continue to work hard and continue to innovate? I mean, that's kick back and relax time. I, I've got, you know, from Jimbo's perspective, his pressure of getting out and out recruiting folks and getting out and and doing all the things necessary in the offseason to learn new offenses and defenses and study and and implement new things and do all the small things that add up to big things there's no incentive for that anymore it's it's coast time and you you hate to say that but it 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 never looks more apparent than than now same thing happened to auburn when they they give malzahn the big big contract uh they're I don't recall many long-term splashy contracts that have le- lived out their terms for one whatever reason. Yeah, um, no. But that's about all I got to say on Auburn AM. I will say that I did notice already that uh, there was a Twitter, uh, I forget even who it was, already a decommitment from Auburn today. So... Their recruiting class wasn't very high to begin with, and it's already taken some hits. They're going to have to – they're almost in a position where they're going to end up sacrificing even a year or two with a new coach um, unless the the boosters get out there and start throwing some money uh, quickly because you. I don't think you can hire a coach before the end of the year so. I mean, unless you hire – somebody who don't mind uh, saying in the middle of the season, like a Deion Sanders or a, a, a Hugh Freeze, some, somebody that's not in a big-time program, Mike could do that. Even then, that's bad etiquette and bad karma. So I mm. think you're kind of forced to wait the season out. So you're losing commitments. You're you're getting to the end of the season and and now with early signing period you you've only got what about two weeks after the season ends before signing period begins and then if you wait till the end of the season to hire a coach i mean what what's he going to do in a week's time so portal i think the portal opens up december 5th maybe is that a is that a sunday or monday i think it's i think it's i think that's a monday after Championship Saturday, I think it's the fifth when the portal opens up, and then National Signing Day is probably the. Well, it's normally it's on a t, it's on a Wednesday, so fifth, sixth, seventh. I'm gonna say National Sign or Early Signing Day is probably December fourteenth. It's either the fourteenth or the twenty-first. We should really mm-hmm. be more informed on the podcast time. <laughs> yeah, we get closer to time. We'll let y'all know <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, let's jump into the game of the week. But first off, Tom, as always, this podcast is sponsored is brought to you by Man of Means skincare products. I always mention the benefits of these, but I've not mentioned the smell. So I put this on the other night, and my girlfriend's like, "Man, what have you got on that smells so good?" I said, "Well, I got a heart on, but I didn't know you could smell it." And she's like, "No, no, no, that's not it." I said, "Oh, it must be Man of Means skincare products." So. Check it out on Amazon.com. You can Google search it. It'll come up. Man of Means. And I really need to chuckle on that joke, Tom. I didn't get it. I did. I just wasn't in the microphone. Sorry. <laughs> we'll see who actually listens to this podcast. They might be like, hey, that's, that's inappropriate. My kid listens to this. <laughs> 
right. Well, let's jump into Bama at LSU. So uh, this is we got two games of the week. I mean, I know this is a Bama podcast, but we would be remiss if we did not talk about Tennessee at Georgia, which we'll get to second. But Bama at LSU, and you know, this is I, I like the way this sets up for us because we're going to find out. 14 days from today, me and you will do a podcast, and we will either be in the thick of the playoff hunt, headed to Atlanta for uh, a second, third consecutive year. We went 2021-22. We didn't go uh, 19. LSU went. Well, you know, 14 days from today, we'll be either heading to Atlanta for a third consecutive year, controlling our own destiny, or we will have gone 0-2 or 1-1, and and we'll be on the outside looking in, we'll, and we'll probably see players start opting out of the season, definitely out of the bowl game. So this is we're going to see what we're made of, because what's our best win? You, you asked, like, what what is Harson's signature win, and now we feel like it's LSU from last year. What is our signature win? LSU has flopped. Mississippi State's got three losses. They're on a bye this week, or we're on a bye this week. Then they, they host Auburn. Uh, A&M has flopped. Texas has three losses now. You know, they looked really good when they crushed Oklahoma and they'd lost to Texas Tech, but they had, you know, it was not a, what I mean, it was on the road by single digits, but then they lost again. So we're going to see what we're made of against LSU, then against Ole Miss. And, and I, I think the matchup is, is good enough for us. Uh, the quarterback has been playing really well lately, Jalen Daniels. And as he goes is, is how they go. They've played eight games, and in four of those – I think, yeah, it should be eight games. They've played eight games. In four of those games, Daniels has led the team in passing and in rushing. So he is a, he's a threat to get out, get loose, and get major yards, kind of like Hendon Hooker. But I don't think they're going to have the receivers that Tennessee had. or Hopefully they don't have one that goes for five touchdowns against us. But, you know, Boutte is there. But I think the emergence of Ricks, and, you know, Ricks was at LSU. I really look for him to take it personal going back down to, to Baton Rouge. I'm glad he's, he's – I guess he's starting now. Uh, I hope he's starting over Arnold. No knock on Arnold. I think he's played some good football, but he is young. You know, I, I like our chances. 31 and 15 have to exert their influence in a the game. They cannot disappear – and we've talked about it on this podcast, don't really like to call people out, but, man, 31 has been non-existent some games. It, it, at least it feels that way. You know, like against Tennessee, he's the one that claimed he had anxiety or the team had anxiety. Man, we've got to squash that because you think Tennessee's loud. LSU is a different animal. You've been there before. I've been there. And it's going to be loud. And this is for the lead in the West. The, the winner of this game – most likely goes to Atlanta, especially if the winner is LSU because they've already beaten Ole Miss. You know, if we could beat them and then if Ole Miss beats us, then it's going to be a three-way tie. We'll all have to look at the million tiebreakers to, to see who goes. But it's going to be a battle much more so than I thought six weeks ago when LSU was, you know, they gave up 17 to Auburn early on and they lost to Florida State out of the gate. So, I don't know. How do you see this game shaking out? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll retract some earlier statements from, from previous podcasts because I had harped on LSU and Auburn being the two worst teams in the West, even after LSU had beaten, I think it was Mississippi State. I didn't know how they did that. And, and I have to retract that because – you know, LSU in their last five SEC games are four and one, and that only losses to Tennessee. 
I did look back. They there, there's an interesting trend here for LSU in their four SEC wins. They were losing in every one of those games uh, at halftime or beyond. Uh, they were they were down thirteen to nothing to Mississippi State and won. They were down seventeen to nothing to Auburn and won. They were down twenty one to fourteen to Florida and won. And they were down seventeen to three most recently to Ole Miss and won. And and one going away in that game, forty five to twenty. Um, so they're used to playing from behind. And one of the common themes they have in all their wins is they do establish a running game. They they run for 207 against State, 100 against Auburn, 210 against Florida, 252 against Ole Miss, and their lone loss there in the SEC where they got blown out, they only rushed for 55 against Tennessee. And Tennessee's not a world beater, obviously, on defense, but they held LSU to 55 yards rushing, and that was a huge difference in that game. Uh, that that and and turnovers LSU turned over, and uh, really gave up a lot of special teams punt return kickoff return yards in that game too. Could set Tennessee up with a short field a lot, but but they they've got to rush the ball. They know they got to rush the ball, and we're we're a little bit stingy against the rush. You know our rush defense is twelfth in the country, and that's nothing to sneeze at. I mean it's not top one or two or three like we've been used to in years past, but but it's nothing to sneeze at. I'll tell you something else that, that struck me on this game, too, a little bit. And, and I've always known that Vegas has formulas and, and that sort of thing that kind of gauges lines. And, and then, of course, the sharp guys will come in there and tweak them however they feel. But I was looking at the ESPN FBI, max, FPI metric. And they break down a lot of different categories, but but ultimately they create an FPI number. And so like currently Ohio State, I don't remember exactly what it was, like 28.4 total FPI number. And they lead, you know, they lead the country, they're ranked number one. And mm-hmm. that FPI number goes from the high of the number one ranked team and it actually goes negative. Once it gets to zero, it starts going negative. And so I started looking just spot checking a few of the Vegas lines and most of the Vegas lines and the, and they all fell within about one or two points of this was the difference in the FPI ranking. You know, if, if Ohio state's 28.2 and they play Iowa, who is uh 6.1, they'll be mm-hmm. about a 22 point favorite. And then they'll add between two and three points to the home team. Yeah. And that, that held true. So for Bama, we're at 28.4. LSU is at 16 in the FPI. And uh, FPI for LSU, they're still in the top 10. There's just, like there normally is, there's a big discrepancy between top three or four teams and then the rest. So Bama is about 12.4 FPI uh, points favored over LSU. And then you take three off of that for the home field advantage. I don't know if that's enough for LSU at night down there. I mean, everybody (laughs) knows that. And you get about nine, nine and a half. Current line is sitting at about uh, 11. Is that correct? Yeah, something like that. I think it opened at 13 and a half and dropped to 12 and a half. But it's going gonna, it's gonna to close out above 10. Probably. But currently, if you, if you can believe the scores and odds website, currently there's about 70% of the money and the bets on LSU. 
So they're they're hammering the home team there. I just thought that was an interesting little metric, and, and I'll I don't want to jump completely to UT Georgia because I want your your score for Bam LSU, but I did the same thing for UT Georgia. Uh, Georgia 28.2, Tennessee 21.8, which is 6.4. You give Georgia three points for the home team, that puts it at 9.5. The current line is is actually dropped down to 8.5. So that's a pretty really? good little cool. thing. Yeah, so I think that metric is, is, is pretty spot on within a point or two. It's, that's an interesting thing to watch moving forward. As a side note, 97% of the money is on Tennessee so far. Yeah, ninety-seven. Well, after I get finished, after the lines come out tomorrow on my books, make it ninety-eight percent because I'm all in on <laughs> on the Vols. But I, let's let's give a Bama score. And I, I I tweeted a stat, and I noticed that you liked it or retweeted it. Alabama de, Alabama's defense has allowed fifteen touchdowns this season in eight games, tied for six fewest in the FBS. Seven of those were at Tennessee. So take away that game, we've played seven other games. Or haven't we? Is are we? What are we? Seven and one. Yeah, uh, seven and one. Yeah. Okay. So we played seven other games, and we've only allowed eight touchdowns. So like one point two touchdowns per game. So I do like us here. I said last week that I I think we either go two and zero or zero and two. I don't think we split these next two games. I think we're either good enough to win on both both road you know both road venues. And the Ole Miss game has been announced at a 2.30 kickoff, so we don't have to, you know, worry with the, with the Vault Hemingway at night, which is always good. But I think we I think we go 2-0. and uh, I don't think we split. I don't think we go over. And I think in 14 days we're sitting here talking about how we're going to go to Atlanta and have a good shot against Tennessee uh, because they're going to make it to Atlanta, as we'll discuss in just a minute. But I'm going to say Bama 35-17. to 17, I think we cover – uh, and if you if you've been following our bets, you know that it's probably not going to happen. But I, I do think we're the better team, and w- with a when a team is that quarterback centric as LSU appears to be, and specifically running the ball, I think we can stop that much better than a lot of teams that they have played. And uh, I like us thirty five seventeen close game, but I, I think in the fourth quarter we tack on. Um, you know, I, I could see it being twenty one to ten. Uh, going into fourth quarter, and we tack on two touchdowns, they get one to finish out the scoring. What was the fin- final line of the Mississippi State game? Did that line get up to over 24? Uh, I think 22 and a half, maybe. So we end up covering that game our yeah. last time out. Previous to that, I think we had went over one and over two with A&M and Tennessee back to back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I think I think we're uh, I think we get the number. I like us, I like us big. I think LSU again. I mentioned before they've been behind to all five SEC opponents they've played against so far, and was able to come from behind on four of them, significantly behind. But I don't think they can allow a team like Alabama to get out in front of them. And if they do that, Bryce Young has the capability of going ahead and clamping down on the neck and and finishing the game, which some of these other teams and quarterbacks aren't capable of doing. 
even Ole Miss, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, has really struggled in the second half for some reason all year. And that was no different there. Went in seventeen to three and lost forty five to twenty. Mm. I mean, that's a that's that's a big, big difference. But again, I, I like us I like us to get out in front. I like us to I like us to win going away as well. I'm I'm thinking forty five to ten Ooh. and the uh and the uh stadium's clearing out late third quarter. Man, I'll have what you're drinking on that one. I like it. I like it. Yeah. All right. So, little spoiler alert as we go into Tennessee, Georgia. I, you know who I'm picking. I said Tennessee's going to be Atlanta in Atlanta. Tom, wrong team favored here. Tennessee is as hot on offense as I think I've ever seen a team, maybe outside of 2019 LSU and then the next year, 2020 Bama. <laughs> I guess that's two teams in a span of two years. But you catch my drift. They are, they're looking unstoppable. And, I mean, they hung 52 on Bama. And as we know, that game has really damaged me mentally. But we're not a bad ball club. You know, we just it, – it was not our day that day. And you can say what you want to, refs, whatever. It, it was – if we had won 52 to 49, it was an embarrassing way to win a ball game. You know, defensive football was not on display that day. But I just – Before I you go like, on, before you, yes. before you go on, if we would have won 52 to 49 – would you still be picking Tennessee in this? No, nah, it'd be dogs by 90. <laughs> <laughs> but I just feel like, man, they are believing that it's their year, kind of like with Auburn, and they got rolling with Cam Newton that year. They did not think they're going to lose. Tennessee does not think they're going to lose. And I know Georgia is a matchup nightmare with all their tight ends and their big receivers. But I just – I think Tennessee – I'm anxious to, see, anxious to see what Kirby does defensively because I'm gonna tell you, I'm gonna tell you what Kirby's not gonna do defensively. He's not gonna copy the Pete Golding uh, playbook from two or three weeks ago. I can guarantee you that. So, but I, I don't think it matters. I, I'm definitely taking the over this game. I'm taking Tennessee on the money line. I'm taking Tennessee on the point line. I think this. I think it goes. 45-35, and I think Tennessee wins, and I think in the fourth quarter they've got the ball and, and they just bleed out the clock. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed by them. We'll get in our CFP predictions um, you know, later on in this podcast, but as you can tell, I'm going to have Tennessee ra- rather high. I see that. Um, they announced today that Nolan Smith would not be playing in this game. Or Actually, he didn't say would not be playing. He said he was probably – Doubtful. That's what probably, he said. Doubt. probably doubtful. He uh, he injured a, a shoulder last week in the I think the first half of that Florida game. Didn't return in that game. And speculation has it that he has uh, some sort of muscle pull. I thought it might have been a separated shoulder, but that I mean that's the that's the best player mm-hmm. on probably the best defense in the country. And so uh, that's a blow, particularly when they're going to play what may be the best offense. I say maybe, probably will be the best offense they face all year unless they get a shot at playing uh, Ohio State, you know, Ohio State, Tennessee, even Alabama. Those three offenses are, when they're clicking, they're, they're really, really hard to stop. So, Georgia's going to get a shot at them. Um, Now, we'll say this. Bennett, this year, has got a nine 
TD versus three interception ratio. They're eight games in. That's only averaging about one touchdown pass a game, which is pretty small, particularly with the offensive output that it seems they have every week. And last year, he ended up the season 29-7 ratio. So he's definitely well below last year's numbers when they won it all. He's, he's more in line with the 2020 numbers when, when they did not. Um, but I thought the, the most interesting stat I stumbled across for this game Georgia, I'm, I'm talking about Bennett here and his what is a perceived maybe lack of production on the offensive side uh, for him in particular. They have no shortage of scoring points this year, so it's hard to fault an offense that's averaging you know 45 points a game or whatever it is. However, looking a little deeper, they've they've only got two top 50 defenses on their schedule this year. Two. They have yet to play one of them, which is Kentucky, who checks in at number 20. They have played one of them, which was Missouri at number 19. Do we remember the Missouri game for Georgia? Yes, we do. 26-22, late come from behind victory there at the end. A game we kept thinking, well, any time now they're just going to take off and, and start scoring at will. That never happened. And uh, I don't know if that's a, a sign of things to come for Georgia. I'm just throwing that stat out there, but I, I found it very interesting that, that Bennett's numbers are down and they've only faced one top 50 defense and struggled to put up points and almost lost that game. So that doesn't really weigh a lot on this weekend's game as Tennessee is certainly not a top 50 defense. They did hold LSU to 55 yards rushing as we said a while ago, but LSU and Georgia are two completely different teams. So Tennessee will have to find some way to play some defense and, and get some stops. And I think this is more of a, you don't have to get them three and out. You just need to bend and not break. You can give up first downs, you can give up yardages, but at some point in the game, you have to make a stop and give your offense an opportunity to outscore them. Personally, I don't think they can do that. I think Georgia's defense is too strong. I think our defense should have been up to the task, and they were not, and that's a credit to, to Tennessee's offense. But I will tell you this, Tennessee had not played an offensive game plan that they played against Alabama all year. They were good. They were they were beating people. I mean, but they went into double overtime against Pittsburgh, and, and they never threw up 60 points uh, against anybody. But when Alabama came, they opened up a playbook and did a lot of a lot of things I hadn't seen them do all year. And, of course, mm -hmm. I didn't watch all the Tennessee games, but they were stacking those wide receivers and running open down the middle. Georgia got to see that. So, yeah. yeah. Alabama would have a different game plan going into Tennessee game come next week if we play it again. And, and I can guarantee you Georgia is, and Georgia has probably the best defensive mind in the country over there. And I expect them to be ready. So I, I think Georgia handles them. I think Alabama, I, didn't, I said to this on the podcast earlier, I think 
Alabama wins that game on a neutral field, particularly they'd win it at home, and I think Georgia's in the same boat. I think Georgia gets them here too. I I say Georgia wins this game probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 38 to 30, something like that. Well, I'll tell you what, Tom, I'm rooting for you because I never root for Tennessee. I just I just think it might be their year. I will say this, uh, well, a couple of things. I saw on Twitter two of the biggest boosters of Tennessee has bought they bought every ticket on StubHub, SeatGeek, whatever. They bought every ticket today and they're going to hand them out for free to uh, to Tennessee fans to try to to make that home game for Tennessee. They're not necessarily <laughs> home game. But I mean, dude, that makes a lot of difference. I, I wish I had seen, I, you know, I, I looked at the tickets uh, last week and man, they were already in the, the upper threes to low 400s uh, dollars per ticket. And I think the average price or maybe the get-in price was 500 bucks. So that was some deep pocket boosters. Maybe A&M needs to call them for part of that buyout. But, you know, I figured on StubHub, there was probably 2,000 tickets. So there's another 2,000 Tennessee fans that's going to go. They're going to be well represented there. And um, that was one thing I was going to say. The second thing, I think I text you this today. Tennessee is about to travel for their third away game of the year. Now, that might not seem like a big deal, but, dude, they've only played one conference away game so far. If the Pittsburgh game had been at home, they would have only played one road game. Like, how is that allowed? We we have got to, when we bring Texas and Oklahoma to the fold, we've got to work on scheduling to where, like, Auburn had five consecutive home games to start the year. Tennessee is not going to make their second conference road game until November. That is, that's horse crap in my opinion. But anyway, we're, we're on different sides of the game. Uh, I've got Tennessee outright win. You've got Georgia right around the number at 38, and thir- 38 to 30. So if you've been betting with our picks, uh, bless your soul, because we have been stinking it up lately. This past week we went one and three. I went to put in the customary four-game parlay Saturday, and Tom already had a loss on his hands from Friday night. <laughs> so I went one and one. I got a win with Tennessee. I got a loss with Auburn. Uh, Auburn just never was in the in the game. They, it was only three and a half point line. That was easy money if you took Arkansas, and you had Pitt and NC State both uh, did not get within the number. So, uh, what what pick do you have for us this week on game one? I'm going back to what got me here. I'm going unranked Washington minus four and a half over Oregon State. Oregon State's getting a lot of play. Uh, they're they're. The money's coming in on Oregon State, and that line has actually ticked up a little bit in favor of Washington. So I like the Huskies this weekend. Well, my game one, I'm I'm going to go with Mississippi State because what happened today, you know, some people might look at this as, as Auburn firing a coach. Oh, boy, the players are going to rally around. Cadillac has been named interim. It's not going to matter, dude. That team is in such disarray. They had four kids hit the portal last week. And I saw on Twitter hadn't been confirmed yet. But they said that basically all the Idaho people, Keesaw and, and Schmetting and that whole group have been fired too. I don't know if that's right or not. I don't know how it could be because I don't know how you have enough coaches to, to coach the game Saturday. But I don't think it's going to matter. T- Mississippi State minus 10 and a half. Oh, gosh. I'm thinking uh, Auburn to get 17, State to get in the 40s. Yeah, you may be right there. Um my second game, I'm going to go back to the well. This is a, this is the game that I lost with or the team that I lost with last week, Pittsburgh. They were getting three and a half on the road last week against North Carolina. And they had the lead in the fourth quarter in that game. They were up 24-21 and then 
in the fourth and then didn't score again. So I'm not sure exactly what happened. I wasn't able to watch that game. But uh, they come in this week favorite of a ranked Syracuse team, minus three Pittsburgh is. So I think Pittsburgh is a better team than their their record indicated. They certainly played better than the score indicated last week. I expect them to rebound and get a big win over Syracuse this weekend. That's a gutsy pick because that'll be three losses in a row for Syracuse. Boy, how they're – how their season will have taken a tumble if that comes to fruition. So my last game, no surprise, I'm going Tennessee. I'm going to have to go with plus eight and a half if that's what you said the line's at. I had it down at 11. Like you said, all the action's been on Tennessee. I I, I love the over. The over-under is 58 and a half. And I know, I, I agree, Georgia's got a, a better defense than Alabama. But, man, I just don't, you know, are you going to hold that team to under 21? I, I just don't see it. I, you know, I think Tennessee gets in the 30s, maybe even low 40s, and Georgia's going to have to be right there with them. And I think they can be. Bowers is a, is a nightmare matchup for anybody they play. And um, Tennessee, like you said, they're, they're no world beaters on defense. So I'm going to go Tennessee plus 8.5. I, I do think they get the outright win. And then over 58.5 is a freebie. So we've got Washington minus 4.5, Mississippi State plus 10.5. Pitt minus three, Tennessee plus eight and a half. That wraps up the uh, the bets for this week. So, Tom, tomorrow night we get the first release of the CFP. Anxious to see what, what they have. And what I want to do, uh, we're just going to give our picks like always. But then I'm going to ask you, who do you think the CFP has at number one? We'll, we'll close out with that. So, uh, number one, I've, I've still got, I've got Georgia. And then I've got Ohio State at two, even though I know you probably people probably listen to podcasts, can't believe I don't have Tennessee at one. Uh, I've got them at three. They could definitely be there. I, you know, if Georgia – Georgia's got a great win over Oregon because Oregon has turned it up, and, and they smacked them. You know, I really think if Georgia won that ball game 31-24, to 24, I think that Tennessee would be ahead of them right now. But uh, I've got Tennessee at three. Michigan four. I got Alabama at solid five. I have no respect for TCU, who I have at six. I have no respect for Clemson, who's out of the, the top six, and my top six. So Georgia, Ohio State, Tennessee, Michigan, Alabama, TCU. I have no change from last week. For last, uh, This is be the third week in a row. My, my CFP six has stayed the same. That's Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Tennessee, tie Clemson at six. That's the same. Now, I think that's an interesting question because I've traditionally been very good at predicting the top four of the college football playoff committee. I will. I was unprepared for that, but I, I will quickly give it a go. I think number one for the committee is going to be the Ohio State Buckeyes. Number two for the committee, I think, will be the Tennessee Volunteers. Number three for the committee will be the Georgia Bulldogs. And number four for the committee will be the Clemson Tigers. Interesting. And I think I think they have a easy time putting Tennessee and Georgia 2-3 this week, knowing that one of them are going to fall after this weekend so uh that's that's who i think the the committee and the reason and i'll just tell you really quickly here ohio state has looked impressive but tennessee has better wins ohio state 
no reason to knock them off. Tennessee's got a better resume than Georgia by far. Georgia does have that good win over Oregon. It looks better since they hadn't lost. But that's really the only ranked win on their schedule, and that was early. And then Clemson, believe it or not, at number four, I, I think Clemson's garbage. But there have been several ACC teams to be ranked, which we just talked about. Syracuse. Uh, they beaten Syracuse. Who else with the ACC? I can't even remember them all. Well, you there had NC State, NC and Wake State. Forest. You know, that, Wake that Forest. Good that's wins right. at the time. Yep. So, so I think they're going to give them credit for ranked wins, and and will bolster their their standing there a little bit. Well, Tom, you're definitely an overachiever in everything you do, and it was no different in the question I asked because I said, "Who does the CFP have at number one?" That was it, and you went <laughs> you went all in. Uh, but uh, so since you did go to four D, I'm only going to go one. I think they, ha- I really think they have Tennessee at one. I would not be shocked to see Tennessee Georgia one two because, like you said, they know that they can switch it around next week if needs be. Ohio State has looked good, but you know Penn State was within well that that game fall fell apart at the end. Man, Penn State had the lead with less than 10 minutes in the fourth quarter, and then Ohio State almost covered outright, you know. Uh, but I've got Tennessee at one and uh, and because I think their win over Bama. I mean, we still carry a lot of weight. And that's what I was going to say with yours. I- I'm interested to see where does Bama – where does Bama rank tomorrow night? Because there are six undefeated teams. So if you go straight chalk with the undefeateds, then Bama can be no higher than seven. And I think we're going to be higher than seven. I'm sorry. I, I would not be surprised to see us. I, I expect to see us at five. I don't know that we can get four because – I don't think we can get four because I think Ohio State, Michigan, Tennessee, and Georgia have one through four locked up. But I, we're better than Clemson, and we're better than TCU. We'll see if the committee has the guts to put us in there. But uh, last they thing – put us above TCU for sure. Yeah, well, that would put us – I'm going to say five. It sounds like you're saying six. So uh, – yep. So, the last thing before we close out, a little did you know. Do you know who plays this weekend we did not even mention on the podcast? I do well, this. I know every, Ole Miss do doesn't because they got a buy, but yeah. go ahead. <laughs> I do this every year. Because it's a game in the 80s you would not miss. Uh, Miami and play Florida, Florida State. State. Yep, Florida State, Miami. It would, like, yeah. it's, that's become such a footnote game. It's sad because that used to be – must see TV, but yeah, they play this weekend. I don't even know who's favorite. I don't even know where it's at because nobody cares. But Tom, that's going to wrap us up for tonight. You know, as always, if you're going to hate Auburn, you have to hate early and hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, guys. Take it easy.